Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. No Gordon for the moment. I don't know if, uh, what happened, Lloyd? The, the huffing paint fumes? Is this house getting painted? Is that what happened? Gordon got a little dizzy from the paint fumes and is not with us. Uh, actually, interestingly enough, I think Gordon, his house lost power, I think. I don't know. I'm looking uh, across the glass. I don't, what happened? Anyway, Gordon's not with us. We'll talk to uh, David Locke coming up here momentarily. We'll see if uh, David can give us an explanation on how exactly uh, the Clippers found a way to lose to the Nuggets. I still am in shock uh, that they not only lost Game Seven, but obviously the the series overall. But here's the thing, and and we'll talk to uh, we'll talk to David about this. But David's been telling us that Denver's really good for a while now. Uh, in fact, uh, I believe uh, kind of how he's put it is all Denver does is win. So we'll we'll get David's thoughts on what exactly is going on currently in the NBA playoffs as now we have our conference finals matchup set. In fact, even a game into the Eastern Conference Finals, obviously, between Miami and the uh, Celtics. And now in the West, we have the Lakers and the Nuggets. Got to admit, I am disappointed because I, I wanted to see Kawhi v. LeBron. I thought that would have been a better matchup. But here we go. The Nuggets, first team in history to overcome a 3-1 deficit two series in a row, which is just incredible. And uh, now we'll obviously move on to take on uh, LeBron and the Lakers. So we'll uh, we'll get David's thoughts on what's going on, and uh, we'll get David's thoughts on, um, you know, the Jazz and how maybe they would have done against the Clippers, and uh, look into the Jazz offseason uh, with Locke as well. In fact, uh, David Locke's interview brought to you each and every week by our friends at the Murdoch Auto Group. So make sure and uh, check them out there. All right, let's jump out of the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Is the radio voice of the Utah Jazz. He is David Locke. Hi, David. Hello, how are you? Oh, man, I'm I'm doing terrific. I, I lost my co-host mid-segment last segment, but other than that, you know, I'm doing well, right. He and, I are, he and I are fighting, so he didn't want to go on with me. Really? Is there some drama? Mm-hmm. What are you yeah, What are you fighting yeah. over? Eh, we will, we'll, you know, we just keep those con- – we're not the Clippers. We keep those conversations between ourselves. Boom. Well done. <laughs> boo. Great line. I said boom. Mo. No, I'm saying boo. Oh, I you're saying know. boo. Uh, well, we're not – we don't – we love airing uh, Gordon's dirty laundry, but we don't need to air David's. That's well, I'm okay. sure no, not, Gordon's at fault. We're here. not. We're not fighting. <laughs> There's nothing to it. <laughs> I'm um, just kidding. I love the fact though that like he doesn't have a cell phone that he can hook in with or anything like that. Well, you know, he's still using that rotary thing at Casa right. Monson. Yeah, you know? I got it. Uh, so uh, Clippers Nuggets. How did that happen, David? How did the Clippers lose that series? <laughs> well, I think the. I'd, I'd rather talk about what the Nuggets did, right? Like, I think we have a tendency to go find the negative, and the negative is really juicy in this story. But let's make sure that we give the Nuggets just some real credit. Like, you know, the Nuggets turned out one of the things that I thought would be the case with the Nuggets and um, was that they offensively would be, and they were a little different defensively, that they that as the series went on, you would get used to them. And it turned out the opposite is true, that they're – their offense, as much as it's this two-man game between Murray and Jokic, just actually have an answer to everything. And the more 
they break you defensively, the more you adjust, the worse you get. I mean, you heard every Jazz fan in the world going, we got to double-team Murray, we got to double-team Murray. Well, look what happens when they double-team Murray because Clippers look ridiculous double-teaming Murray last night, but we didn't double-team Murray and we look ridiculous. So, you know, it's a tribute to Jamal Murray. I thought his second quarter was the key to the entire game when he had 20-plus points. The Clippers wanted to do it easy. They wanted to just roll three easy and just be better than you. That's what they thought they were all season long. They, you know, some of their key guys don't have a lot of – I don't think they got a lot of grit to them. And Denver was just loaded with grit. And when and they just were having a great time out there. And when it started getting rolling, they just had momentum. And it was pretty awesome to watch. I, I haven't done this in a long time, Jake. I, I sat on the couch for four straight hours yesterday. I'd take, I was a little behind the game, so I was able to get through commercials to make it a little shorter. And, and there must have been five or – eight times last night were between the two games. And then the WNBA game was actually the best of the three. If you didn't follow that story, maybe the best story of the day, single elimination, first round WNBA playoffs, woman for the Phoenix Mercury hits a game winner. Okay. So what? Good story. Except for the fact she was released by the team they were playing in training camp. How good is that? Great story. Um, but I sat there on the, for four hours straight, which I have not done uh, in years, just watching hoops and just multiple times. I just had my hands over my face, like, Oh my gosh, what is happening? And, you know, some of it was just Denver was rolling. Denver just has a momentum to them that we could never break, frankly, once they got it rolling and nor could the Clippers. David Locke is with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Okay, I, I appreciate your thoughts on Denver. And I, I right before you jumped on, I was I was giving you credit because uh, you've been telling us for a while now all Denver does is win. But I do want to get your thoughts on the Clippers. Do they need to change something in the offseason? Is there something that was exposed or that didn't work? Or is this a sense that uh, unique circumstances and it just didn't work this year? So I don't. It, what did, there's a bunch of things that didn't work. One is it's not a cohesive group. That murmur, that murmur has been going on around the league all year long. And, you know, not to be that guy that jumps on it now. Had they won game five and won that series four games to one and lost to the Clippers, I'd never be talking about it. But it has been a murmur all year long about the Clippers. It was not a cohesive group and that there were issues. That seem to become really obvious, whether it's the Montrez Harrell, Paul George argument on the bench in game six, whether it's Lou Williams throwing everybody under the bus in the post-game interview, whether it's Doc Rivers with the weirdest post-game I've ever seen by a head coach after losing a game seven, but he's used to losing 3-1 leads, so maybe he knows how to do them better than everybody else. Um, you know, I think that there's there's a problem on that team, but I, I, I don't know that the problem is fixed by making more changes. Um, I think the problem might be fixed by trying to put them back together for another year and seeing if they're able to, you know, at least find some cohesion, but more changes might not be the answer there. The real issue that happened with the Clippers this year that I think has been forgotten is a year ago, they were the eighth seed as this un, this gritty un, you know, untalked about team that just had incredible effort and they traded Blake Griffin and Chris Paul. And yet this other group came together, remember, and and then they became, you know, Hollywood. And the grit part of that team didn't like the Hollywood part of that team pretty clearly. And so they have a real problem in that regard. And frankly, the team that was, you know, the grit probably will argue that they were more successful than the Hollywood team. So it's going to be interesting to see 
um, how they move forward. They, you know, I don't think they have a draft pick until our next presidential election after this one. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, speaking of draft picks. I mean, that- like, I'm serious. Like, we will have a presidential, I believe I'm right on this, I, that we will have another presidential campaign, hopefully with none of the same names. Uh, <laughs> not to, and, and some semblance of normalcy. And the Clippers will still not have had a first-round draft pick. President Trump will be working on his third term. That was a joke. That's all. Yeah, that's uh, funny. <laughs> David Locke with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Um, speaking of those traits, uh, and, and Austin and I were talking about this uh, before the show, um, David. But uh, this Do you is... think that the Clippers might have wished that they got more field goals out of Paul George than first-round draft picks they gave up in the trade? Yeah, this is exactly where we're going. I, I did not remember that they gave up five first-round draft picks, including Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who's going to be an all-star. And, including uh, Danilo Gallinari. Yeah, who was great for them this year. And then you look at what, what Oklahoma City got in the Russell Westbrook deal, another two additional first-round draft picks, and some rights for some pick swaps, too. Um Sam Presti, I mean, is is he showing us how a, a rebuild uh, it happens without uh, going through what, say, Philly went through for so many years? Yeah, and I think they might even do a little bit of going through that, frankly. I mean, I think his next trick is going to be the hardest part, which is holding it together. Um, you know, Denver's that Denver made a little subtle trade this year in the that no one's going to remember, but at the trade deadline, they gave up two players for nothing. Seemingly nothing. They traded Malik Beasley and Juan Herman Gomez at the trade deadline, two of their draft picks. And the reason they made that trade was, one, to force open space for Michael Porter Jr., and two, because they just had too many players and not enough time for the players. Mm. And that will be Oklahoma City's challenge with all those draft picks. But you can piece those picks together to make you know a big move somewhere along the way. Oh, sure. Well, I would 100% anticipate that, wouldn't you? I mean, there's no way they make right. all those picks. I mean, they can, right. you know, maybe you see somebody at the top of the draft you want. You, you so go get that. You know, the Denver win should be encouraging to Jazz fans. Not for the, I think, obvious reason, oh, we are close, we should have beat him. I mean, it should be painful, too. But... Toronto and Denver, Toronto last year, Toronto this year, Denver are built in a model that the Jazz can follow. The Clippers and the Lakers are not a model the Jazz can follow. We right. we can't do that. Um, but what Denver, how Denver's built their team, astute drafting, you know, risk some risk taking, some really good figuring out guys' roles. Um, of evolution of, of talent, uh, you know, finding players at Mitch, then a free agent signing of a Paul Millsap, a crafty trade of a Jeremy Grant. Like, we can do that. We, we can, you know, Boston, Danny Ainge did some nice things where, you know, out of the Garnett tiers, you know, he fleeced Brooklyn. That's probably pretty hard to replicate that one in a million trade, um, though Oklahoma City seems to have done it twice. <laughs> um, you know, Miami – um, is a little different because Jimmy Butler, we're not going to be able to sign the Jimmy Butlers of the world, but we can go get a Tyler Hero. And we can find a Duncan Robinson, and we should be able to find a Bam out of Bayou. We did. We found him in Rudy. You know, so, and, you know, and Goran Dragic was just through trades. They actually gave up an awful lot for Goran Dragic. I remember I, I torched the I torched the heat um, on the Goran Dragic trade. If I remember correctly, they gave up three first-round draft picks. I thought it was the most insane thing that they'd ever done. I. I remember, and like one of them's unprotected. Well, I guess that turned out okay. 
um, you know, sometimes giving up assets works out. So, um, you know, I think that of most of the teams that are being still playing and there is a uniqueness to the bubble, but they're, they're following a model that Dennis Lindsay and Justin Zanuck have followed and can continue to follow. I know you uh, you picked the Celtics to go to the finals out of the East and in that uh, series uh, against the Heat. Um, you picked the Celtics from the beginning. I'm not sure if you're you're changing that on this particular series, but I think Miami right now is the best story in the NBA. What they're doing with a great coach and a motivated player with Jimmy Butler and uh, playing team basketball. That block shot from Bam was incredible. I love. Oh my gosh. I love their story. Oh right my now. gosh, that block shot, amazing. Greatest block of all time. See, I've I've seen some people arguing that uh, that the 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 block from LeBron, the series saving block in the finals, might be up there. Don't you think? I mean, I mean yeah, I, I I go there. Like I remember seeing the LeBron block and thinking at the time that it was the greatest play in the history of the NBA. Yeah. Like oh my gosh, Ray Allen still got the best shot, like the best singular shot maybe in NBA history. Is that Ray yeah. Allen three against the Spurs? Probably? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that, yeah, that, I mean, that's right. Woof. I mean, maybe we'll forget about it, but Eastern Conference Finals Game 1. Depends how the series goes, right? If right. Miami makes the finals, it probably gets better, as silly as that is. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. What no, was, no, no, no. I, I, I just love my, I, you know, my, the, the basketball fan of me is pulling for Miami because I love it because they're well coached. I, I love Spolster with the opportunity to prove just what an elite coach that he is. Pat Riley has run a tight ship down there for a very long time. And I like I like the Jimmy Butler um, emergence story down there because of the situations he was in previously. I just think from a basketball perspective, you know, maybe they're not star-studded, but I, I love what Miami's doing. So three quick thoughts. I watched that game. I'm, I'm mesmerized by how great Boston is. I just really am. I think they're so talented and they're so remarkable and they can switch one through five and they don't have any defensive weaknesses and they have to lead athletes at every position. And then I keep looking at the scoreboard and it's like, Miami's like within two, so uh, I gotta you know, like I'm, it's it's stunning to me that Miami's winning these games because I watch Boston and I find them amazing. I, I, I'm gonna give you a, a hot take, okay? As well, Jalen Brown will not be on the Celtics next year. Ooh, that um, is a hot take. There's no chance that he's willing to sit in the corner while Kemba Walker and Jason Tatum take every shot. There's just no chance. Um, so keep an eye on that. Um, all right, here's. Uh, on, on Miami, I agree with you 100%. They're my favorite team to watch in the league. I actually usually have a pad, and um, maybe hypothetically somewhere along the way I stole some of Quinn Snyder's little basketball cards, and then I draw their plays out. I don't know if that's true, but it could be true. <laughs> and so I mesmerized by them. So I actually asked – I'm trying to figure out if I asked Spolster directly this or I got it from someone else. I think I got it straight from Eric on all their creative plays. And the answer is that Eric Spolsters came through the coaching ranks as a film guy. And one of his favorite activities is to go be a film guy. And he probably has someone pulling him now for him, but he'll go through all of the opposing teams in the league and what all their best, like out of bounds stuff or half court sets are. And I'm assuming get clips from his video guys, not that he's watching all their games and then go through them and integrate into their system. It gets murmured about in the league, like he's the grandest theft of all time, but he loves the film aspect. And you'll, they ran a really cool set last night that 
abs- that I remember that I saw during the year sent it to one of our assistant coaches. I think is Zach Guthrie and said, "Wow, look at this play with you know." And he's like, "Oh, that comes from such and such team and such and such, and that's where Spolster got it." Like you, the origins of like much of what Miami's doing is Spolster back to his essence as a film guy, pulling plays and then integrating them into their system. Got to talk about uh, Rudy making third team All NBA. You think that's uh, about right, or did he deserve second team? I, I'll tell you what bugs me. It bugs me that they're they're considering Anthony Davis a center. It feels like cheating to me. If you're going to do it by position, then you got to vote him in the position that he plays on his team. But anyway, that's that my opinion aside. What do you think about Rudy making third team? Um, you know, I think what it really says is he's a top fifteen player in the NBA. Um, you know, I've tried to argue numerous times he's a top ten. That argument might actually be getting harder, not easier. Um, the way guys are emerging in the league, I, you know, Chris Paul's year was pretty incredible this year. If I think he was second team, was that right? Chris Paul was second team with yes, game. Yes, he was. Mm-hmm. I mean, it'd be, I'd have to bump Chris Paul from that to to give it to Rudy, and I, you know, it's pretty hard to discredit what Chris Paul did this year. Um, so I think you know, comfortably Rudy's top fifteen player in the NBA. I think the answer to that's yes. You know, I think we look back at that series. We weren't very good defensively, but the fact is that, like, Denver, this is the most, like, to me, this is the most impressive part about Denver that is not going to be talked about by the media, um, you know, unless, like, Zach Lowe pulls this out, he might be the only one. The most impressive thing to me about Denver is that they changed what they did offensively in games five and six predominantly and a little bit in game seven to beat us. So they went away from the Jokic Jamal Murray pick and roll. They only ran it like 13 times in game five and game six. They they ran it like a few token times early in the game. And in the fourth quarters, when they beat us, they, they didn't actually run it. They didn't play the two-man game at all because Gobert was too good. And Gobert was bothering their two-man game. And anytime Jamal Murray missed was because we switched Gobert onto Jamal Murray or that, you know, Jokic wasn't getting same, the same stuff because of Rudy. And we didn't double team him in the post because Rudy could handle him. And so they, if you go back and watch game five and six, fourth quarters, they go into isolation one-on-one game, bringing Millsap and other guys up into picks to get Joe Ingles and George Niang and other players into the pick and roll and, or into the one-on-one action. And it's not the Jokic Murray two-man game. Like, so to Rudy's brilliance is actually this vaunted two-man game that everyone's talking about. That's as good as anything since Stockton Malone. Rudy actually totally took them out of it into Denver's credit. They found something else to do and that's how they won. So, you know, give them credit. And, and that offensive versatility they had in games five and six, you know, the killer is if you go back and watch game six, there's two loose balls that kick out to Jamal Murray for threes off perfect defensive plays. Mike, one of them is Mike Conley reaches out with his yeah, right hand, deflects a pass and Donovan leaves Jamal Murray because there's a loose ball. And the other one's off like a loose ball offensive rebound that gets moved. Around. Like those are the two plays that are the difference between the Jazz winning and losing that series. Is, and, and you know what? I just give Denver credit at this point. They just deserve it. Like, to, to argue that, oh, we should have done – I mean, at some point you also might just decide that that cockroach was going to win because it doesn't seem to be able to get knocked out. Last thing before we let you go, David, uh, Giannis, uh, what are the odds he signs a max extension or is he going to go into the last year of his deal, you think? I don't think he's going to sign a max extension, and I think one reason is Milwaukee and the other reason is because with the salary cap as low as it is, it's probably right. – financially advantageous enough for him to, to wait a year. David, thank you uh, for jumping going on. To make, going to make for nervous times oh, in yeah. Milwaukee, though. 
Oh, very much. Yeah, no doubt. I, I actually hadn't thought about the, the unknown as far as the cap goes. Yeah, it might be really adv- uh, disadvantageous for him to sign. That's a great point. Um, David, thank you for jumping on with us, and uh, thanks for not hanging up on me after my uh, bad President Trump joke. Appreciate it. That's okay. Just never mind. <laughs> See you, buddy. Uh, there you go. That's our friend David Locke, radio voice of uh, the Utah Jazz. We'll uh, reconnect, hopefully, with Gordon. Actually, you know what we're going to do coming up? We're going to let you hear from Dennis Dodd, uh, the CBS Sports National College football writer, joined us uh, in the 3 o'clock hour. I wanted to plug that in here in the 5 o'clock hour because he was great, as usual, one of the very, very best in the business when it comes to covering college football. And uh, he uh, he had a chance to join us on this big, big-time news day from college football. So uh, we'll talk to Dennis or let you hear from that uh, conversation coming up right around the corner. But right now, uh, joining the show, of course, our friend Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic. And, hey, if you've been struggling a little bit in the bedroom, listen up because a great solution is here, and you're making it easy for our listeners, Andrew. Yes, we are. A great solution for erectile dysfunction, which this is a significant problem out there. And a lot of guys struggling, maybe struggling in silence. And here's the key. We have a treatment that does not involve a pill, no injections, no surgery. It's called acoustic wave therapy. It kind of looks like an ultrasound machine. You come into our clinic. We place it on the skin for about 8 to 10 minutes, and we do that a few times. Now, science has spoken. This causes something called neovascularization, which is the regrowth of blood vessels, So we can eliminate the erectile dysfunction, get back to normal function in the bedroom. We've helped thousands of men, Jake, and I'll tell you, there's a lot more guys out there that need this. Well, the nice thing, Andrew, you guys are solving the problem, not just treating the symptom. And it it sounds simple, but it's brilliant. Yeah, that's right. So a guy with ED typically takes a pill. Well, that didn't solve anything. And the next time, you know, the the moment is right, he's got to take another pill and probably take more and more as the years go on. Whereas this bypasses the need for all medication, it treats the root cause of the problem, those damaged blood vessels, and gets the blood flow going where you want it, when you want it. 801-901-8000 is the number to call. Get on the schedule. And not only will you uh, get to meet the doctor and uh, figure out if this is a good treatment for you, but uh, also some other perks as well. Yes, a lot of perks. Call us now if you want to put a stop to your ED. We will do the assessment, the exam, even the blood flow ultrasound with our doctor, totally free. You can come in, kind of see if it's a good fit. We'll even throw in a little special gift that is uh, very popular, produces instant results in the bedroom. And now new patients even get testosterone for free. So we have every angle of effectively treating your ED covered. 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. Give them a call right now, 801-901-8000. Wasatch Medical Clinic. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Jake. Let you hear from Dennis Dodd. Coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to Dennis Dodd coming up here momentarily. Uh, great day to talk to Dennis, of course. Uh, 
one of the best college football writers out there. There's no doubt. In fact, let's let's waste no time. Let's get out to the T-Mobile special guest line. He's a national college football writer for CBSSports.com. He's Dennis Dodd. What's going on, Dennis? Thank you very much for uh, coming on with us today. We appreciate it. Uh, yeah, thank you. Just a, a busy day. My head's spinning a little bit. Of course, it has been since March. So. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I mean, let's start – Start uh, the, with your thoughts on the decision the Big Ten uh, made today, and if you want, the, the route we took to get here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's almost two different discussions. Yeah, was it was it a clunky, awkward mess, a lack of communications and messaging for the Big Ten? Absolutely. Um, I, like, I, I like the lead of my story today. It said 42, 42 days after the Big Ten released the fall schedule, 37 days after it canceled the fall season, 27 days after it said distinctively it would not revisit having a fall season. It had a fall season. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's how messed up it's been. But, look, at the end of the day, I'm willing to give credit to reconsideration based on science, you know, stiff-arming the president and Scott Frost and Ryan Day, did they were any influence at all, and saying, you know, maybe this is worth a try. This is not necessarily the right thing, because if it's the right thing, everybody would be doing it, and there'd be no COVID to spread around. But it's the thing to try, and and they're doing it. So we'll see what happens. So Dennis, I've written columns, uh, recent columns, that have essentially been warning everybody about how how crazy this pandemic is and whatnot. But I changed my mind. I changed my mind when I saw that they can test every day. Am I a hypocrite, or have I just figured this out and then guessed in a certain way? I think uh, the daily testing mitigates a lot of the worry. It certainly doesn't end the risk. Uh, This was always about what's your risk tolerance. Well, this helps your risk tolerance increase. If you can test every day that eliminates or helps eliminate the need for contact tracing, which is a big part of this. You know, five guys can knock 20 off the roster. You know what I'm saying? So if you can do this right and you can afford it, it it doesn't mean you're not going to get COVID, but it means you've got a better chance to play. And it is the game changer that Larry Scott called it. Unfortunately, Larry Scott finds himself the one backed into a corner right. Well, Dennis, let's talk a, a little bit about that. We saw Larry's response this morning where he said they're yeah. waiting on California and Oregon, and then we see Governor Newsom say, well, we're not stopping you. What, What's going on? I, I don't know what to make of that. I really don't. He, I just read Governor Newsom's full statement where he said, well, he never said they couldn't practice. But then he said something about, you know, that it, they couldn't gather in more than groups of 12. Well, that's a problem for football. You know, then then you can't practice. You can in basketball, but you really can't in football because you got 11 guys on each side of the ball, even when you're practicing. So yeah, you can't you can't really practice. But I'm told the Big 12, the, I'm sorry, the Pac-12 is going to have a reaction, some sort of statement on that this afternoon. I don't know if that will move the ball. If that means the Pac-12 is going to play this fall, I couldn't tell you that. I think we just have to wait and see. So, Dennis, uh, how is this season going to play out? If the Big Ten is doing what it's doing, uh, how do you think that is going to affect the college football playoff? Uh, you know, I guess they'll they'll get in under the uh, necessary time, but uh, it's 
it's uneven now, right? Well, I mean, you've got four of the five Power Five playing. I think the Big Ten playing nine games aligns them with the other leagues and is a de facto qualifier for the playoffs. Now, what I don't know is if any any of these leagues, Big Ten included, don't play all their games, is there a threshold that there has to be? And the CFP hasn't answered that question. The threshold, you have to play X amount of games to be eligible, or is is the committee just going to sit there and, and consider teams that have played six games with teams that have played ten and let you know let the chips fall as they may? That that's what I'm getting right now. The, the, the danger for the Big Ten is they're playing nine games in nine weeks. That hasn't been done in the Big Ten it, since 2018. Since 2013, only 18 times have teams been had to do that so besides being a student athlete welfare thing with COVID floating around it's it's like wow okay you know you, you think you're going to play nine straight weeks we'll see what about the mountain west dennis and dennis dot is on with us by the way from cbssports.com is is there a chance they figure something out as well they they released a statement this afternoon that said they are quote finalizing a way to get daily rapid testing same as these other two leagues I think what they're doing is studying it now. It's a tremendous expense that I don't know that the Mountain West can afford. I don't know that for sure. I just question it because I know it's a tremendous expense and a tremendous stretch of manpower to do it. But but they have put that out there. That, let's put it this way. They're looking into it. So I think what this has done, remember in August where we said, oh, if, if this conference goes forward, everybody will. Now it's happening in reverse. Everybody's going, trying to play in the fall in reverse, um, or at least the, the conferences that we're playing in 2021. So I think the Pac-12 is in play. I think the Mountain West is in play. I don't think the MAC is in play because I don't think they have the money to do this right now. So we're going to see, see a season by them next year. Has this tarnished your enthusiasm for college football, Dennis? Uh, where are you as far as <laughs> the emotions, the feelings, uh, beyond just uh, what you think in your yeah, it's part of my enthusiasm. Yeah, for the people that run college football, I, I'm bewildered and disappointed at some of them the way they've gone about this because it's just been piecemeal, no, no unity. Um, you know, they're, they're without having a college football commissioner, which we'll never have, because Exhibit A, look what's going on right now. They could have all the Power Five or the ten conferences could, could have all gotten in a room and decided we're going to start now. Um, and maybe it's the chase for those dollars that started them to start in different directions because, frankly, the group of five have less money to make up that they'll lose in the Big Ten because they have those monster TV contracts that they're trying to chase, try to get a percentage of during COVID. But, yeah, the, the season certainly didn't start for me like it usually did. It was going to be August 29th in Dublin, you know, Notre Dame and Navy, and that's going to be exciting. Now you've got a national game between Iowa State and Louisiana. And, yeah, it's, it's fun, it's good, but there's no fans, and it's just the hype isn't there. Maybe I'm just being a cranky old man. Maybe it'll get better as we go along. But I think, yeah, I think there's something to be said for that. Dennis, unfortunately, we're not going to get uh, to see BYU Army this weekend uh, like was yeah. uh, originally scheduled. But what did you think about the Cougars week one against Navy? They were great. Um, you know, I, I think they – planted their flag. I, I, don't, I don't think the schedule's strong enough for them to get to the playoffs, but certainly that could be a very positive story this season. 
the, the job Tom Homo has did to put that schedule together has been heroic. Um, and, and they got ready and played well against the Navy team at home with or without fans. It's hard as heck to play with that option offense. So I, I, nothing but, but props for Kalani Sataki and the Cougars and, and hope they can get, you know, as many games in as, as they can. This could be some sort of, uh, you know, jumping board or uh, diving board into next season with a lot of momentum. Do you think there would be a chance that they could get into a really fine bowl game uh, based if they continue to win these games, even though they're not against top-notch competition? Yeah, I, I think they could because these bowl games are going to have to have bodies in them, you know? Um the Pac-12, I'm, not, I'm sorry, the SEC has nine bowl partnerships. They're, they could be a four and 16 in those bowls because somebody has to play in those. Um, and the way it stands right now, I guess the way it stands right now, there will be enough teams to play. I think there are 84 slots, and now this makes, let's see, 77 and 14. That's 91. Yeah, so there'll be, uh, there'll be enough teams to fill these bowl slots, even if they're winless teams. Uh, but I think I think that would at least bump BYU up the ladder. Just don't just don't ask me which bowl because I don't think the bowls even know right now. The problem with BYU in the past, uh, Dennis, has been their inconsistency. They look good enough to beat USC yep. one week and then they lose to what Toledo or somebody the next. So we'll see with that offensive line that they have if that will make them consistent enough to to, to be undefeated. Maybe. Yeah, the offensive line is great. Hope your hat on. Dennis Todd with us from CBS Sports. One one more thing on the Pac-12, real quick from from me, Dennis. This this confusing message from Gavin Newsom aside, would you expect the Pac-12 to figure it out in in sometime in the near future? Yeah, I don't know what figure out means. I guess right now, figure out means can the Pac-12 get clearance because that's where it starts. Every every statement about this, can they get clearance in Oregon and California? And I'm told from sources within the Pac-12 that Oregon's not going to be a problem. I think the, the, the governor, Kathy Brown, has kind of intimated as much. Um, California's a problem, despite what, you know, Governor Newsom said today. It's still a fact that, you know, they, they've been going under the impression they can't practice because of local ordinances. I have fully padded practices, let's put it that way. Um, so if they do, if they get cleared soon – then the next you know thing to chase would be an October 24th start where we know uh, the Big Ten has slotted itself to play nine games or eight games. So I, I, I can't even I, – after today, anything's possible. I don't know. <laughs> Dennis, i got to <laughs> ask you this question because it's a question I would ask you if you were coming on to visit with us any other year than this one. Ignoring everything else, I'm going to ask it: Who's the best team in the country? Oh, I think it's the same, the same suspects as it usually is. It's going to be Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, Georgia, Florida. Um, you know, I think LSU takes a step back this year, but I think it's the usual suspects. The the best team, it's Clemson right now, because they've got everything that they've got. They've got the best quarterback, arguably. If just, Justin Fields plays. Um, you know they've got the schedule. The ACC is not that hard. They're forty-three and five in their last forty-five conference games. They've been two of the last four championship games. So you've got to say Clemson right now. I, I like Alabama though. I think they're going to jump right back after only winning eleven games last year. 
<laughs> is that one, all? <laughs> one, one, one follow-up on that, it's this, Dennis. Is there anything college football can do to make it so that it's not the usual suspects, it's not the same five teams every year? I, I think just expanding the playoff, and that's nowhere near in sight. Um, you know, there was speculation this year about why don't we have a larger playoff to make more money for these for uh, during this time of COVID, that's absolutely ridiculous because somebody has to pay for it, and that somebody is ESPN, which absolutely isn't immune to this. They're you know they're losing money hand and foot. They're laying people off too. So it's not gonna be them. I think we've got six more years of this, um, you know, to the end of the twelve-year deal, and then then it will expand. And I think that's the best way because after that, what what this last six months has shown me and a lot of people, the the difference between the haves and have-nots has never been larger and now it's been exacerbated by COVID in the financial aspect to the point that I, I have a quote from Jack Swarbrick in one of my stories, the, the AD at Nebraska, I'm sorry, at Notre Dame, who said that there not only will be athletic departments that are impacted by this, there will be three or four schools that cease to exist. Mm. And I thought, whoa, that's saying something. So, it, but if you look at the if you look at the finances of some of these Mac schools, I can see that happening. So it's not it's not going to help any of the Group of Five or any of these other teams get close to the playoffs. I'll say that. All right, that was Dennis Dodd from CBSSports.com uh, joining us talk about uh, college football. The Pac-12 has released a new statement. We will get to that coming up next. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, ninety-seven five and twelve eighty, the Zone. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Talking a lot of uh, college football. The Big Ten makes its announcement this morning. It's coming back. Now uh, we'll see what happens with the Pac-12. We talked a lot about that today, Gordon, uh, and uh, what role governments uh, of states have in allowing that to happen or not. Uh, we have a comment from Larry Scott that came out, well, probably about a half hour ago, maybe a little bit more. You ready for this? Yeah. Larry says, quote, the Pac-12 welcomes today's statements by Governor Newsom of California and Governor Brown of Oregon that state public health officials will allow for contact practice and return to competition and that there are no state restrictions on our ability to play sports in light of our adherence to strict health and safety protocols and stringent testing requirements, including our recently announced par uh, partnership with Quidel, which will enable daily rapid te uh, results testing. We appreciate Governor Newsom's and Governor Brown's support, the former of which is consistent with the very productive conversation that he and I had earlier today. Our California and Oregon universities will now each individually and immediately reach out to their relevant county public health officials to seek clarification on what is required to achieve the same clearance to resume contact practice and competition. We are eager for our student athletes to have the opportunity to play this season as soon as it can be done safely and in accordance with public health authority approvals. Signed, Larry Scott. Okay, there it is. So... Yeah, it looks like uh, they might be able to get it done. Again, thanks to daily testing. That is the key. Okay, well, it's the key for the Pac-12. 
It's the key for everybody as far as I'm concerned. That yeah. is the difference maker. Well, it's the key for the Pac-12 and appears to be the key for California and Oregon. And it was the key for the Big Ten as well. And I, the key for the Big Ten. Absolutely. So there you yeah. go. So they reverse course, thankfully, and are now proceeding towards uh, playing the Big Ten further ahead than the Pac-12. One thing we haven't talked much about is the Pac-12 probably doesn't have much of a shot to be included in the college football playoff, Gordon, because I'm not so sure they can get their act together in time because the Big Ten is cutting it close because they're yeah. giving themselves, uh, what, uh, a little just about a month, a little over a month maybe, about a month to uh, to prepare for uh, for week number one. And there then they have to go nine games in nine weeks just to come in under the deadline. So yeah. I don't I – don't, it doesn't sound to me like the Pac-12 can work its way through all this red tape in, in order to do that, which – it's too bad, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I you know, four weeks, five weeks. What's it going to take to get a team ready to play? Get your athletes ready. I assume these athletes have been working out, and it's not like they've been sitting around doing nothing. Uh, although, you know, when you think your season is done, maybe you'd be uh, tempted to not quite go at it quite as hard. But uh, now it's uh, now it looks like it's going to the opportunity will be there for those people. So. Now we'll see what happens next. What uh, does this count then uh, against eligibility for everybody, or is that still in play where some players might be able to play five years? Uh, nothing has changed on that front, so I don't think this counts. No, huh. unless you've seen something well, from the NCAA in the last few minutes no. that, uh, no. that I have not. Uh, but nothing has changed on that front. Will it? Yeah. I don't know, but uh-huh. I would guess no. Because yeah. there's still other leagues that aren't playing. Yeah, so that's 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 another development that is kind of unheard of. You know, be able to. What, what is it now? Uh, six years to. I mean, six. Uh, wait, eight years to play five or four, six or something. I don't know. No, anyway, it's, it's five years to play four. Unless you go on a mission or go into the military. Right, but those, uh, yes, uh, that is correct. So, yeah, yeah. So it's been a big day. It's been a big day of, uh, and it's been a big day for me because I changed my mind. And uh, I went from uh, 48 hours ago thinking one way, but uh, you have finally, it wasn't you, Jake, but I'll give you credit for changing my mind, uh, is really the daily testing uh, as the more I consider that, especially since, they can't go on the field until they've been cleared through a test. That that makes it considerably safer in my mind. And there's no lag time between testing uh, from day to day. So I, I I have to I have to capitulate there, my friend. And BYU fans, please settle down a little bit out there. I'm not a hypocrite. I know I wrote what I wrote about BYU and the problems that they're having down there. But BYU is in testing every day. So if they test every day, then I'm all for that, too. So maybe they can pull that off. Let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now from Wasatch Medical Clinic, he's our friend Andrew Reinhardt. We're helping our listeners today, Andrew, and sometimes this is a little bit of a, a delicate subject, but it's really important. Relationships are a big part of life. They are a big part of life, and, you know, with the quarantine and with the virus, couples are spending more time together. If there are problems in the bedroom, erectile dysfunction, 
Maybe that has been uh, kind of putting a magnifying glass on the problem. Wasatch Medical uses the most advanced form of something called acoustic wave therapy. Uh, This is FDA registered, Cambridge studied to open up and regrow blood vessels. Uh, That means we get the blood flow uh, going properly. We eliminate the need for a pill or injections, heaven forbid, and we get the natural function back. I think guys will be amazed what can happen in the bedroom when we get the blood flowing properly. I know you get it all the time, Andrew, uh, where people probably ask you, wow, does this really work? And uh, you've got a lot of great science that's out there now uh, that you can point to and say, yeah, it really does. We really do. I mean, apart from the thousands of patients that, you know, and I see a lot of them every day and hear their stories, apart from that, we can go to the American Urological Association, for example. They tested 600 men, some healthy, some not healthy, some mild ED and some extreme ED. And their exact words at the conclusion of the clinical study was safe, effective, and revolutionary. So we know the science is sound. We know this can work and we can put a stop to the ED fine in the right way. 801-901-8000 is the number to call. 801-901-8000. Get on that schedule. Get in and see the doctor. Find out if this will be a good fit. Right, Andrew? And get some extra stuff as well. Yes, call us now. The assessment is free. The exam will do the blood flow ultrasound to test those blood vessels. This is done by a doctor, by the way. That's all free. We'll throw in a little special gift that produces instant results in the bedroom. I would say come on down and get that, whether you plan on doing the treatments or not, frankly. Also, new patients get testosterone for free to cover the drive and the energy Uh, We're committed to effectively treating the ED from every angle. 801-901-8000, 801-901-8000, Wasatch Medical Clinic. Thank you very much, Andrew. Thanks for having me today, guys. You bet, buddy. That's our friend Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic, 801-901-8000. More Big Show next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Wrapping up a big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. What a, God, Gordon, it seems like every single day, every single week is crazy eventful during this wild 2020. But today, man, lots changed today. Yeah, uh, college football may become more complete. And uh, they've, uh, you know, they have the testing that's necessary to make it safer. So it looks like uh, maybe uh, with the Big Ten coming around, maybe the Pac-12 will as well. So we we will see. Of course, we saw a statement from uh, Larry Scott earlier on. It came out around uh, 5 o'clock where Larry said uh, now it's up to some individual health departments, but uh, progress is being made. So we'll we'll see how it goes. And if they get those approvals and then the, the Pac-12, the league presidents can vote again, and then maybe we'll have Pac-12 football back, just like we've got Big Ten football back. And obviously, uh, Utah fans uh, eager to uh, watch their team play. So, obviously, when we talked with Mark Carlin before, he said they need four to six weeks. I don't know what the Big Ten. Uh, when, when was their uh, opener supposed to be? Do we know that? Oh, off the top of my head, it was it was what it was, middle to the late October. Okay, yeah, so that would uh, that would probably give them enough time to, to ramp up. Uh, Mark said four to six weeks, so it might be on the shorter end rather than the longer. 
Well, they've, uh, you know, overcome a lot this far, thus far. So, you know, that's just one more hurdle, I'm sure. But uh, I'm glad we're heading in the right direction, it would seem. Yeah, I, I think it's a good idea, to, as long as they can test every day. But I'll tell you, it's just, this, is a, this virus is not to be toyed with. I mean, I saw the totals today in Utah, like 750 or something, the highest amount since mid-July. So what the heck? I mean, what, what, we're just going to have to ebb and flow with this thing for a while. Yep. Uh, unfortunately, that certainly is the case. So, uh, you know, all just uh, wading through this thing together, I suppose. But yep. today was a was a, a big day, regardless of what side of the topic you're on. It certainly was eventful. And it was a good day to have Dennis Dodd on, by the way. Big thanks to yeah. him for yeah. jumping on with us. We've got that up online at 1280thezone.com. Of course, uh, if, um, uh, if you subscribe to the Big Show podcast, You'll get uh, all that great um, uh, material right there to your phone. So uh, give us a subscribe wherever you uh, get your podcasts. So I changed my mind today, Jake. I hope I don't have to change it again. Me too. That makes two of us, buddy. Uh, You can read uh, Gordon's column, sltrib.com. Gordon, you enjoy your evening, buddy. I'll talk to you tomorrow. You too, Jake. All right. The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.